Welcome to the EMS on the Mountain podcast, a show for those interested in austere and wilderness medicine. This podcast provides insight into the unique aspects and challenges of bringing modern EMS into wilderness and austere environments. Then, uh, so welcome to another episode of EMS on the Mountain. This one from the Mountain. Oh snap! <laughs> this is a show for those interested in austere and wilderness medicine. I'm Sean, as always, joined by my backcountry partner Mike. And today's show, we're going to talk about one of uh, our cases we had. I don't know, probably a couple years ago now. A while back, yeah. So uh, uh, this was Mike's. So he's going to lead us through this party. So I'm guessing because I'm so bad at the editing and the getting things online at a reasonable time that this will be the first case review that we put up on the interwebs but this is a new thing we're trying out we're uh we're gonna do a few shows from the mountain so normally i sit in my basement and sean sits in his basement and we stare at each other across the magic of the interwebs but today we are literally sitting across the table from each other in a old old building in the middle of the woods attempting to uh, record something that's lively and exciting for you folks so let's see how this goes <laughs> yeah. so so if you hear background noise like no kidding animals birds and random people radios people doors it's, yeah. it's all part of the process it's all part of the party this is the fun and it could be a train wreck but uh i have a feeling that at least one person and only one person johnny b <laughs> will give us his feedback on what he thinks about this <laughs> and maybe our wives will care but uh yeah all right so let's talk about this we had a case a couple years ago that started out as a normal it's a normal saturday afternoon in the woods and uh the tones dropped no, the tones did not drop. I apologize. There was no tone droppage. There was a, uh, there was a call on the radio from a, uh, from a report of, it went out as a person with a little trouble breathing. That was an understatement in a certain respect. And it was suggested that perhaps we go kind of check it out, see what's going on. So we jump in our magic buggy and bop on over. Luckily, this patient wasn't too, too far away from where we were at the time. We head down trail. We found said person. They were maybe 100 yards off of a fire road, and that fire road was maybe 50 to 100 yards from a paved road. So they weren't real deep in the woods, but they were definitely hiking. They were definitely on a trail. They were definitely about 400 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, yes, they the, were. Just want to make sure we paint that map properly. So we're, we're about 150 yards down a rocky trail. Maybe I'd, 200. I'd say I'd go between two and 300. Yeah, okay. A little bit further. That trail led to eventually an intersection with a fire road, and that fire road is about 100 yards or so from hardtop, if you will. So here we are with a 400-pound individual who is breathing at a rate of, I don't know, 800 or so. <laughs> it's more like, it, was, it was more like between 35 and 40. They were... Uh, yeah, this patient was... Panting like a champion. Now let's back up because I love storytelling and I like to do it in completely jacked up time order because I didn't make notes. Prior to proceeding down trail, after we stepped out of our, uh, our trusty steed, we were greeted by the patient's family member. And oh. this family member immediately informed us that they were, within two or three minutes, they informed us that their family member was just having a, quote, sugar problem yes. because they had the diabetes. And that she was, in fact, a paramedic at one point, but did not want to keep that up because they were going to make her do CEs yeah, after she, two she years. She didn't know she had to do CEs to research. Yeah, so she lost it real quickly. But she definitely was a paramedic, and she 
was definitely convinced that her family member was experiencing a sugar problem. Yeah, so I'm not so convinced that she was ever a paramedic. I'm just going by what I was told, dog. Hey, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, so we also learned as we proceeded down to link up with said patient that a number of bystanders or another, a number, excuse me, not bystanders, a number of other hikers that had come by had uh, provided various snacks and sugar-free products because it was believed that this individual was experiencing a hypoglycemic event and needed more sugar. So upon arrival on scene, by the way, just a little note here, we did bring a cardiac monitor with us because it was only 100 yards or so, and it was a report of a person having trouble breathing. The one and only time Mike and I have ever taken a life pack down a trail. Yeah, there was one other time. We'll talk about that one later. That's when I carried it all the way down Dark Hollow for the girl with the the weird chest thing, the 30-year-old whatever. And I decided I was never doing that again. <laughs> I'll have to cut out the dark hollow part because that's kind of, yeah, whatever. I carried it down that trail. So upon arrival, one of the first things a good paramedic's going to do is assess the scene. And then since it was reported that this person's having a sugar problem, we assessed the state of her sugar needs. Keep in mind, breathing at 35 to 40, diaphoretic, sitting on a log, leaning against another nice bystander. Yeah trying to hold her upright. So we get a quick finger prick. I don't remember what her blood pressure was off the top of my head. It wasn't astronomical. No, it was maybe upper 100s, very low 200s. Nah, it I remember wasn't, it being better than mine. Yes, it wasn't. Yeah, nothing yeah. that made you go, oh, here's a oh, problem. She's going to die. I mean, she's breathing at like 40 and uh, she's diaphoretic. She's been out hiking. And did I mention that she's not a shrinking flower? So we grab the sugar and I, I will never forget this sugar number. 768. And I thought to myself, huh, probably doesn't need any more sugar. So we do grab a quick 12 lead. What did we grab a four? I think we grabbed a 12 right there on the side of the trail. Mm, four lead on the trail just because we four? didn't want to yeah. expose her. Expose her. Uh, she was tacking away real good luck. Yes, she, yes. She definitely appeared to have some sort of electrolyte thing going on. And did I mention diaphoresis and sizable? So at this point, I, I, I attempted to get a line and we immediately started flowing fluid. Here's the problem. Family did not believe that this individual was actually having a medical emergency. Family believed that this individual was, quote, faking it because they didn't want to be out here. And that's what we learned by doing some good historical digging, that this is the first time this individual had ever gone hiking ever, ever. And this particular environment, this particular trail, it's not, a, it's not a, like, hey, I've never done this before. Let me go give it a shot sort of thing. There's some elevation gain. It's pretty rocky. Boots are a good idea. So now we've got to get this individual from where they are to where they need to be. And where they need to be is in a doctor place. Where they ended up going, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Luckily, with whatever graces were thrust upon us, there were a couple of other individuals in the region that were doing some work on a UTV that happened to have an insert in the bed for a Stokes. And normally this UTV is used for more law enforcement type work, boundary management and such of this big old park. But today, the... the the tray was actually in the back and the Stokes was on it. So we lucked out a little bit there. Otherwise, we were calling, what did we call for? Like 20, 25 people? Uh, yeah, I think we called for all available resources. All available people, which would have been about 20 people. And it would have taken them quite a while to get there. But we lucked out. So the UTV came, wandered down the trail. They had to back it all the way down, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Trail wasn't really meant for UTVs. And then we, uh, we attempted to place this young lady into the Stokes. There was... More young lady and less Stokes visible when, uh, when we finally got in there. And she, I remember her, distinctly remember her freaking out about laying down. Yeah. So we laid her down just long enough 
to get the basket onto the back of the UTV. And then I remember sitting sideways in the patient or the attendant seat in the back of the tray. I should probably describe this. So there, there's, there are a couple of different companies that make, typically they're made out of aluminum. They're inserts that go in the back of a UTV and then just get buckled down. These inserts allow for a stokes to be secured, or it's largely just a tray. You have to kind of do buckling on your own. Then there's typically a chair right next to it. This particular unit has a chair that's slightly raised so that you're not sitting on the floor. But you end up with your head way above the elevation or way above the top of the driver's compartment in the UTV. So you're basically kind of hanging out there with your head above the cab, hoping they don't whack a tree while your patient is laying next to you and you mosey on down trail. That feels like an accurate description. Um, I remember having to sit sideways in the, the attendant seat so that I could prop one of my legs up in the stokes so that she could lean back against my leg because she was so uncomfortable laying down. So I made a makeshift chair for her with my leg. Now here comes the fun part. The extrication wasn't that hard. Yeah. Because we drove her. Yeah. It would have been hours or at least a good hour to go 200 yards, probably more like an hour and a half. And she would have been freaking out the whole time because she did not want to lay down. So we lucked out with the UTV, but then we got to the ambulance. This is where we did a little more diagnosis. It's a medical term. If you're not familiar with it, uh, yeah. you can contact Mike later. Yeah. We did some diagnostics and we determined that this person was definitely hypertensive, definitely didn't need any more sugar and was potentially experiencing some cardiovascular events that required care of a doctor. But unfortunately, our patient, our patient was not interested at all in doing anything that their family members were not interested in doing, anything other than taking her home because she was, quote, faking it. So I attempted to convince the patient that we should seek further care. My partner, Sean, attempted to convince the patient that we should seek further care. Two other paramedics that happened to be available that day, which is a rarity in our world. Normally, four paramedics on duty is a stars have aligned in a way that is unimaginable. Two other paramedics attempted to convince her to uh, seek further medical treatment, but at the end of the day, they decided to waver and jump in their personal vehicle and drive home. So uh, that's a high-level overview of our, our little event. Let's talk about takeaways and what we could have done better and what we should have been prepared for next time. I am still on the fence about taking cardiac monitors in the woods. Uh, they're heavy, and I don't want to. Sean is not on the fence. He does not want them. Sean is, Sean is not a fan of cardiac monitors in the woods. I tend to agree with him most of the time, but when you occasionally end up with a patient that's reported to have problems like this, that can be a very good diagnostic tool. That said, I'm never carrying a cardiac monitor that far into the woods again, even though we now have a smaller Zoll that is gooder and lighter. Uh, I'm not doing it. Two, I think we did a really good job grabbing the blood sugar right away especially since it was reported the blood sugar eatiness. If we would have had an Emma or some sort of way to put a mask on for a little bit and measure CO, that would have been cool. But we did not have any capnography tools available to us at the time. I don't think we even had the can. Well, no, we had the nasal things in the life pack. Yeah, for the life pack. Yep. But we didn't put them on, so we probably should have done that. Other than that, I don't think we did too, too, too horribly on scene. Right, we got there, we assessed the situation, we determined the need for extrication. She clearly was not in a state that she felt she could walk, and we were unsure as to whether there were cardiac events going on or not. So having her walk out of the woods probably wasn't going to be the path of, of proper care. Once we got in the unit, we did a full workup, sugar, 
I think I did look at capnography, pulse rate, 12 leads, three or four 12 leads. There was definitely some serial changes over time. But at the end of the day, sometimes your patient just does not want to have anything to do with going to the doctor place. And so you have to kind of respect that and say, hey, you don't want to go to the doctor place, so I can't make you. Sean, any other takeaways? Any other memories of that event? No, it just, one of the problems is, is Mike and one of the, uh, one of the other medics there was a female. So Mike and her were in the back of the unit and we have a very small ambulance that we work out of. So it's not a big spacious monster medic to, they can fit six or seven other people just hanging out in. So I was outside dealing with family and that became its own set of problems. And the relative that was, she was super insistent that we don't need this. She's fine. She just needs some water now. We're going home and came up with a litany of excuses why they just needed to go now. And then after Mike came out and showed me, I think probably the second 12 lead that was showing really some, starting to show some very minor like ST changes, not quite where you'd want to call a cath lab for sure and say, hey, we definitely have a STEMI going. But yeah, she was definitely showing abnormal ECG. And it was kind of like, ooh, yeah, that's, we're, we're approaching a borderline kind of state here with her. Could it have progressed and gotten worse and she would have hit full-blown STEMI? Maybe, or maybe it was just because she was definitely overweight, diet, not the best. And this literally was her first time ever hiking anywhere in any set of conditions. It was hot. It was humid. Just strain on her heart with the rest of her physical condition could have been causing this problem too. But we don't know that. So the call was like, yeah, you should definitely go see a doctor and have any super bad consequences ruled out. Well, the family member, once we explained this to her too, she did not care, which was a bit concerning as a sister that was just like, I don't care. You're full of it. We need to go. And I think the sister played a very strong role in convincing the patient to just wave and not go to the hospital. I think if she had not been there, I think that girl would have gone to the hospital with us. Even if we would have just gone to the local community hospital where they could at least run a couple of labs and some other tests, she would have been better off. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think really it was a little peer pressure. She decided to wave. And this was one of the few times when you give the patient the refusal speech and you're talking about up to and including death. We were actually kind of serious about that part because for all we know, she's going to get 30 minutes down the road heading home and have a heart attack or go into a cardiac arrest. She was not in a good way. And despite our best efforts and really trying to explain things at a clinical diagnostic level in as simple a layman's terms as we could translate, they just weren't having it. And she waved and sometimes it's going to happen and you wish them the best. But yeah, sometimes you just have those patients that are like, you know what? Nope, I'm out. There's another case Mike and I might talk about with another patient. And he too was having very significant EKG abnormalities and was like, yeah, no, I've been to the doc for this before. Uh, they told me I got to do this, but I ain't going. And it's like, well. Oh, I remember him. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pale, diaphoretic. He was classic cardiac problems. And he was like, yeah. He was pale for a no yeah. African-American. Fellow. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes. And yeah. And it was like one of those, you come down and you do that initial sick, not sick look. And yeah, he, was, he was sick. You were sick. Yeah. Right. And she, she looked very poorly too. She definitely yeah, she had did. that sick, pale, not just I'm physically exerted myself. Yeah, I mean, she was not just sweaty from hiking, but she was in that diaphoretic state. It was the, it was the, it's hard to explain, right? Hiking, sweating is really like big beady, like clearly you're trying to cool yourself. The diaphoretic sweat is like the little tiny, well, diaphoretic sweat. It's the best way I can describe it, right? And for those of you out there who are, especially paramedics who've seen 
diaphoresis and and sick people sweat, you know it's it's not the same. It's different. For those of our our listeners out there that I know we have a few who aren't like paramedic level. Yeah, there's like two of them, our entire listener cadre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few, right? But yeah, diaphoretic is basically the medical way to say they're sweaty, but it's a, it's a different type of sweat. It's very, until you experience it, it's kind of like, hmm. But then when you, when you get your first patient who's no kidding diaphoretic, you're like, oh, I get it. It is different. Now I know what they're talking about. So this girl, yeah, she wasn't just sweaty from hiking. She was actually diaphoretic. And that's, that's a big deal. When you're pale and diaphoretic, that means there's something going on, usually cardiac related, that your, your body is trying to tell you is, is not good and that you should, you know, I mean, your body's not telling you to seek medical attention because your body doesn't know that, but it's saying, hey, there's something wrong. We need to fix something. Yep. And so this was definitely not a, and we get these too, plenty of the, I'm just too tired. I don't want to hike anymore right now, people. And, and these are the ones you usually get the third, fourth party reports about is, hey, there's somebody that looks really, really poorly and we think somebody should go look at them. And I've been on that guy and one of these gentlemen who was so pale and looked so bad, it was because he was covered in a good healthy layer of sunscreen. And that's what was giving him his pale appearance. And he was otherwise quite healthy. He was happy and it was like, oh, okay, good. And there was no issue with him. Yep. But then you come across some of those people and you're like, ooh, yeah, you don't look well. You do not look well. You, okay, so yes, it's a good thing. I'm out here for you now. And then, yeah, you have the others. So it's like, yeah, you're pink, you're sweaty, you're breathing hard because you didn't realize this trail, even though the the brochures and the maps all said this was a moderate to strenuous trail, really didn't think it was true. I guess you thought that those that put this stuff together lied to you and were just trying to keep you away. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, there's that. So (laughs) honestly, I don't think this call, I mean, realistically, because of her size, we would have needed a lot of people to carry her. It would have taken... we were just talking this morning in the rig or yesterday about uh, doing an episode on mapping resource responses in a urban environment versus a wilderness environment. And I think we may record that here yet today. Yeah. That may be just a quick one. I think these are probably going to become like 20 minute snippets. Yeah. reviews. Now EMS from the mountains, probably going to be a quick 20 minute hitter of takeaways on things we've learned over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I think we did what we could do for her. I mean, it was, yeah, she was lucky. She was near this, it wasn't quite a full-sized fire road, but it was just wide enough they could get the ATV down. Yep. And fortunately, the two guys who were driving the ATV had the foresight to know what trail they were going on and knew to back it down because they knew there was nowhere to turn around. Yep. So it was perfect. They backed it down. It took eight or 10 of us to lift her up and get her in the back of it. And please don't get me wrong. We're not trying to discourage or disparage people who are overweight. It's just, this is a reality and all EMS people know this. People who get overweight, it becomes, it's not just a health problem. I'm concerned for you because your weight is, it is bad for you, right? But when it comes to resources, and again, we're going to record this one. Holy cow, carrying somebody who is excessively overweight, it takes considerably more resources because you can only carry so much weight for so long and then you have to switch people out. And so this call, she was lucky. The right resources were there at the right time. This was a fairly efficient call. We got on scene. Did initial assessment, said, yeah, we definitely need to do this follow-on. UTV showed up, loaded the patient. I, the UTV didn't go very fast. I was able to walk right behind it. And we got back up to the unit, got her loaded into the cot and in the back, and did our best, did a good, very thorough assessment of the patient and gave her the full story of what was going on and what we believed was happening. And at the end of the day, she decided to wave, and she was fully lucid and conscious. I don't know if she was 
I mean, she was informed, but I don't know if she truly comprehended how bad it was. Like I said, some of that peer pressure definitely had an impact. And I guess the only thing I can say to that is, if you really have one of those patients that is on the fence about going or not going, and you have a family member who is adamant to not let them go, you should probably try and keep them away. That's a hard situation to sell, but... I'm always in the biasing toward you should go to the hospital. Well, yeah, I mean, in any situation that is not, and we've talked a little bit already about the fact that a lot more things wave in the wilderness than you would in an urban Oh, yeah, there's a lot of studies on that one. And again, our job is to advocate for the patient, not for the convenience of family members who might have to drive a couple hours back from wherever they live or came to to visit and pick somebody up from the hospital. It is what it is. So better than being not alive. Well, that, that's it. I, I guess really those are my comments. Okay. Well, I think with that, we're going to call this one a wrap and uh, let us know what you think of these. They're, they're going to be quicker. They're going to be shorter. We're, we're going to post some pictures. We're literally recording this in our little quarters in yeah. the woods waiting for work. So with that, as always, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate uh, any comments. And if there's anything else you want to hear from us, let us know. If you have any questions or comments or ideas for show topics, you can send us an email at the show at emsonthemountain.com or hit us up on social media. We can be found on Facebook and Instagram at EMS on the Mountain, Twitter at EMS OTM, or you can engage with us and a whole community of wilderness EMS professionals at locals.com slash wilderness EMS. Until the next episode, thanks for joining us. And until we see you on the mountain, train hard, be safe, and do good work.